Hello and welcome to the Mangal Media Show. I am Editor-in-Chief F.A. Levant. Mangal Media is supported entirely by your donations. If you like our content and would like to see more of it, please remember to visit our Patreon site. Mangal Media is also a small press that specializes in publishing the works of writers and artists whose perspectives are often ignored by the westernized gaze of the publishing industry. You can find all our books and publications from our online store at mangalmedia.net. I am particularly excited to announce our most recent publications, A Letter Home and Nostalgia in the Periphery. A Letter Home is a short comic by Ayman Makarem and Hisham Rifai about Beirut and homesickness. Our second publication, Nostalgia in the Periphery, is a limited edition bundle of serigraphy and digital prints from a diverse range of writers and artists who investigate the golden age of global popular culture. The personal essays and short stories in the project ask discomforting questions about who gets to remember and who gets to be forgotten. In today's episode, I am joined by Sharanya Deepak to talk about her personal essay, Morphing Flashbacks, she wrote for our print collection, Nostalgia in the Periphery. The essay is an intimately written piece that deals with themes of memory, anxiety, and body image in various stages of the author's life. Hello, I'm with Sharanya Deepak to talk about her contribution to the Nostalgia in the Periphery print collection. And we are going to talk about her short story, or like, kind of like, I'm calling it a short story, but it's really like a personal essay uh morphing flashbacks hello sharanya hello thanks for having me pleasure to have you like we've already like spoke to you like anyone who listens to this podcast every now and then would have heard you before we've already talked about your article about kebabs and there was like an episode where we complained about the usa (laughs) i think uh maybe you could like give us kind of like a brief summary of what the article is about yeah. So the article actually started out because I remember when you go on, you know, like the nostalgia series is a way of looking back at the things that informed us uh, in our parts of the world. And I was thinking, I think a lot about uh, the McDonald's and it coming in and essentially I'm just, I'm like, I'm kind of like confident about saying this now, but I used to have a, I used to have kind of like addiction to it when I was 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, it lasted a while. Like, you know, my mother's really worried. I used to get very sick and, um, all of that. So I like I have really weird memories of it. I think it's also because it was so new, you know, it was so like the colors. I remember someone pointed this out, a friend said it to me, how the colors are plastic, like that's how she named them. Because that's just not how things look in places mm-hmm. where like capitalism is so kind of like was when I was growing up was so kind of nascent. You know, those like specific colors that uh Western capitalism brings in. They're very like kind of like flashy, glassy colors that they don't exist in our lives. So everything we used to feel really like you were going through kind of you know, like a portal, like, uh, and like entering somewhere new. And I think that's why so many kids kind of got so hinged on it. Because it was a way that you could exercise a certain amount of like agency or so you thought. <laughs> like, you know, you think that you were like really free for going to McDonald's. It's just like crazy. And I remember so clearly how my mother wouldn't approve of it. But not like approve of it, like the diet, more kind of approve of, you know, this kind of like, again, like this kind of uh, complete dependency on it that I had. Um, so there was lots of memories I started coming up. And um, yeah, I started writing about that. And then I also around, I've always thought about, I've, I've always thought about how, 
I'm just not someone that's comfortable in my body even now. So I like think about how things and not with any kind of clarity. And this essay, like thanks to you actually helped me like really get some clarity about stuff because and I you know, I, I I thought about how these like new things kind of impacted the way that I ate or like felt like I looked and yeah, and then I started, I started writing about that stuff. And uh, just about how di- in different parts of my life, how my body saw itself differently. And um, yeah, it just kind of came to me, you know, when I got the McDonald's part out, which is the first part of it, which is like me and my sister going to McDonald's birthday party. And then me being very kind of like addicted to these, um, to this food. And my sister was some reason like not at all caring. She's been like this. She's like never cared. She's not cared about Zara. She's not cared about, but she doesn't care about like fitting herself into these kinds of things. Um, She's never cared. And she's just been really confident. So I always see me and her kind of like, and I remember even with Zara, I had this thing. It, uh, I was about, I was 19 when I went to my first one, about 20. And um, it used to terrify me. Like being in the, being in the, um, being in the uh, child room or whatever. You know, it's like scary that kind of, and then those fabrics, like you're not used to them. They're very like satin kind of like weird fabric that now everybody wears because they've, um, come in and I think the way like India um, like Pakistan and other places in South Asia loosened their import laws on like textiles and foreign companies and things like that in the late 90s and only started come happening in the mid 2000s which is when I was a teenager so I think everything like a lot of this like new stuff that a lot of people right now take for granted like people who are young now was quite new to us like everything like the food the clothes the malls like I remember the first time I saw a mall it was built on like a place we used to go and ride our bikes around and, you know, like, we used to, like, bike to this place that was, like, um, kind of farmland that the government had bought and sold, I guess. And we go and, like, ride bikes there. And, like, I remember the first one coming up. Like, I remember, the like, the glass of it. And now it looks like it's something from, like, the 60s. It's so strange because mm. it was only, it was 2002 or something. And even then, mm. now it feels so retro because that's how quickly things change once you let changes come in. And I'm not nostalgic for, like, uh, like in India where this stuff didn't exist or something like that. But, like, I think it's just, um, it's, like, important to think about what we were doing, you know, like, what we were eating. I think one of the things, one of the things that I'm curious about is, for example, how uh, for, for a lot of, kind of, like, people in our generation who lived in, kind of, like, what we call, I go to problem, all oh, right. For uh, for a lot of people in our generation who lived like in kind of like our parts of the world that kind of like didn't create the McDonald's or didn't create Zara or like all of that kind of stuff, we were just kind of like uh, supposed to be like the passive consumers of these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. For a lot of us, um, like you phrased earlier, it was there's kind of like an element of kind of like addiction to McDonald's mm-hmm. or like the clothes from Zara. But to a lot of us, our entry point was also it was kind of like a rebellion. Uh, there's an element, at least, of a rebellion against the traditional culture that we grew up in, and that's why we kind of like diverted into like consuming these kinds of things. I think it's really curious to kind of like uh, think about the relationship between how we kind of like turn to these products or have turned to these products as mm. as the voicing of a certain kind of rebellion, but and in the end we kind of became uh, dependent to them. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, definitely. And it's, yeah, they were a place of, like, where you were free of, like, tradition or your parents or something, right? Like, and also, like, when I was growing up, like, Indians didn't date, like, that's just, I mean, honestly, we still, it's not like a, 
and all this like kind of and this is something i want to write about in the essay and i just didn't know a way to articulate it but this like surge of like hinge and stuff like that right like it's still very bizarre to me because people still like fall in love oftentimes the way that they do uh before this kind of stuff before like flipping dating culture and the way that it transitions onto apps which is really kind of curious to see like i see you know like people still get we're not like we're not casual about romance and also there's all this stuff that people are trying to like mold themselves into and i think that this happens quite a lot but again like to go back to your point about this and I, and i do remember like i think also when i was researching this article about biscuits that i wrote recently um there was this biscuit called little hearts which is essentially like a french heart you know it's a french heart that this indian company they was they're so good they're still really good i mean they kind of like like really heavily sugared and put them in these um, packets and the whole slogan and the, everything was about they were like you know if you get a little hearts you can ask out like you can like ask the person that you have a crush on to go out with you and now that's that's like i think for someone who belongs to quite like a romantically like emancipated culture that's that's nothing but for us that's just not something you do you not like walk up to a boy and be like or a girl or a back then so very like non heterosexual couples were not doing it but like you know but um but like you wouldn't just do that you wouldn't like approach mm-hmm. somebody and be like hey you want to go get a coffee like that's like it's just unbelievable and uh, i didn't do it but like i know that like i some friends of mine it was a way that this brand said that this is you can do this you have a packet of little hearts you go up to the person you like at school and you tell them which is um which is yeah it gave people a sense of agency right like before that i or maybe like other other generations had their own ways but again like they they like cultures of romance are really closeted they're very they're very like i think the i mean i i still i only know how to do it like this but still very much about like secret like looks and like all this like nonsense when it takes for like five years to <laughs> figure out how to express it to somebody but like back then like telling a whole generation that you know welcome to this world of like going on dates and like you know that kind of stuff and the i like i remember the guy in the advertisement would have like headphones or he's wearing like you know so everything just happened at the same time he was wearing like levi's jeans and that stuff had just come in so the whole thing was really was really clever actually of brands and um, yeah but it was also really fun so not and so i think my essay maybe doesn't look at the fun bits quite a lot but uh, because both zara and mcdonald's have felt a bit oppressive but i also had things that i liked very much um so yeah 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 it's always kind of um it's always kind of like not very constructive to look at your kind of like relationship to like something that you found cringe but you admired at the time and like it's not it's not helpful or it's not empowering to go back and think about that relationship as like purely being about like enthrallment or like purely about mm. being kind of like brainwashed by capitalism or kind of like brainwashed by uh western consumerism or whatever because like there was something that excited us about these products as well Yeah. Um, and once once we kind of like start thinking about like how we got excited about these products and how we did get a, a end up kind of like being enthralled by them like how like if when we mix both of them together that we kind of start to be able to kind of think about the kind of food that we want to eat now or like the kind of clothes that we want to wear now like only then can we find like I think um productive way about reflecting about who we want to be. Yeah. and also like it's so curious you know like all of these brands and i think mcdonald's did it early on but i think india is like one of the largest markets or maybe the largest market for um global multinationals what they call geolocalization which is they kind of like they kind of like yeah yeah globalization ha huh, yeah sorry <laughs> sorry no. yeah but yeah, then, yeah every, like every week a new word comes in like yeah. uh, it's always got this like funny pronunciation 
but they really had to pander also to the audience right like eventually mm. i think when my dad started going was when they like they have indian food like it's like i mean the mcdonalds in india is indian food it's not like you know no one's going to eat there whatever i don't know they in america or whatever but like it's very much like they put like street food into burger or whatever like that's why people go um do so, they so, have the uh, regular like big macs and stuff no no they have a maharaja oh, mac no no it's like tastes like kebab no it's like mm. i mean hardly but no they have they have like if the the fries are the only thing that are not and the fries used to be masala fries but like now they're not oh. they're happening but if we have a we have a burger called an alu tikki which is like a which is a, like tikki like a like a street food made of potatoes and lentils they don't do the lentils here but then the sauce is mint it's not mayo and um and then there's another one called um, chicken mcgrill which is what i would eat a lot and the 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 chicken patty is literally like a, it's like a really badly made kebab flavor like it's tandoori flavored you know like the the chicken is tandoori flavored and um it's kind of like a salami made from like tandoori flavor um so like no no nuggets no nuggets no big nuggets nuggets like no yeah no we have nuggets now uh but but again like people go for the other stuff like they go for this the maharaja mac is huge because it's like really spicy like also mcdonald's is really spicy i remember eating mcdonald's in belgium and it was like nothing like this so they definitely know um and that's the thing like dominoes i think is the biggest market right now and they know that indians have um they have a specific kind of purchasing power you know which they like spend outside it's a huge so, market of course yeah exactly so but the mcdonald's is literally like there's <laughs> like chicken tikka pizza paneer like it's all just and everything is like tandoori tandoori i've also like when i was rereading your article today like i also saw like one of the um, one of the things that they had released that you described yourself as eating uh in the in the in the essay the pizza mcpuff <laughs> like i've i've looked that up on google and like i think I, the impression i got was that like the pizza mcpuff was only something that happened in india i don't think like it doesn't sound like it's something that they would release yeah. for an indian market at all but i think because i saw a lot of like indian food bloggers trying really? to give like love giving it. recipes for yeah. no no not just love it they're trying to also give recipes for like homemade pizza mcpuffs mm. i so guess it's called a pizza mcpuff but it's really as a samosa that's kind the kind of, of vibe that i got from yeah it's kind of and also it's again like it's spicy i it's so weird though like what these brands don't see that when this happens and people get bored of the mcdonalds they just open like there's so many like you know like burger play, like informal burger places also like pushcarts but you get exactly the same so now no, like the excitement has faded so no like yeah, mcdonalds yeah. is yeah so it's so like they don't know that like that always happens the way i felt about for example like seeing something like the pizza mcpuff and like when i looked at it it's kind of like you know there's this meme about like uh mom i want to eat hamburgers but we have hamburgers at home the hamburgers at home like you see this picture of like uh like kind of like a homemade hamburger that no child dreams about you know there's kind of like that yeah. meme format or it's just like a thing that happens a lot as well like you want a hamburger yeah. you want to have like mcdonald's but your mother says like we have burgers but they she gives you like this piece of meat with like onion sticking out of it you know with like parsley and stuff like stuff that you wouldn't want to see in a burger as a kid Uh when I saw the pizza McPuff and like saw how much it actually looks like a samosa I felt like the McDonald's was doing the exact same thing that your mother is supposed to do you know they're like they're marketing it as pizza but when you get there they're really selling you a samosa and I yeah. I just found that hilarious 
Yeah, and it's like I mean, it's it's kind of got that same like break, you know, like the texture is familiar. I think that's what got me. Like it like breaks in the middle, and it's really doughy and then stuff inside. Like that's mm. I'm, I'm used to eating that. Actually, the burgers I never really. I think like again, the chicken McGriddle was like a slim one, and it was kind of like this thing called a bun kebab that we'd have a lot, which is a kebab inside a bun, um, which doesn't happen anymore. And in Pakistan, it's, it's really good. I know that they eat mm. that a lot. And um, yeah, but it was it was it literally like it, it's kind of like a bun kebab with a much worse kebab. Like it's just not very good. But again, because it's not that, then you're just like wow. It's, and it's it used to be really cheap. I think back then it was like fifteen rupees or something, which is very mm. cheap, which is like you can afford it on a uh, school budget, and they got that. You know, they understood that kids want to eat stuff. And yeah, um, yeah. again, like it's not a, it's it's, it's a, there's no kind of bar culture like people have like in the UK and stuff. Like, that. like so, we didn't have like we didn't have like youth culture spaces. Now there is, but not back then. Like youth culture, like we make our own. There'd be like these weird like CD pool parlors, uh, like snooker kind of places. You know, that would become like entire places where kids would just hang out for days. Or like road corners. Or there's this thing. There'd be a lot of like cigarette shops that would double up. I was just being where like groups of friends just sat all the time, you know. Just uh, so, but like there's no like spaces like they have in the West for like they don't have like part. There's not like parties and like warehouses and stuff like that. So the McDonald's I think was one because they'd have mm-hmm. drive-throughs. So teenagers would just go like hang out behind and drink. Older teenagers as well, not just younger teenagers. I think younger teenagers would go inside, but like I remember when I was about sixteen, seventeen, like the one. They had like a huge space at the back, and a lot of people would just hang out there. You know, they just like get little bottles or whatever they were drinking and stuff like that, or like mm. and just like sit around. It was just it was really fun because again, there's not a place you and the uh, average like the drinking age they lowered it now, but it was twenty five. So it's mm. like not gonna buy if you have money like that. Nuts. Obviously, people yeah. go when they're like eighteen, but um, or nineteen. You know, you're like disguise yourself or pay off the guy or whatever and go. But it's still like there's no spaces for like kids. I think that very much you have to make your own. And now mm-hmm. India's really changed in the way that there's lots. I think it's this huge kind of like tech, tech investment kind of culture that there's a lot. And kids suddenly seem to have lots of money. Like, um, at least from like a specific like urban middle class and upper middle class background, they like go out, they go to cafes and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. um, and those places are expensive, so I don't know how they're doing it. But like, I sound really old, <laughs> but like back in the day, that's not what we used to do. So yeah. So, like the the uh, the story or the essay is kind of like separated into three sections, mm. um, and I think there's kind of like um, there's kind of like a chronological order to them, like from your early teens to kind of like your twin, like maybe like your early twenties. That's the last one. Yeah, and like your early teens. Yeah. When you go to that party in Brussels, so I just want to kind of like summarize the story. Uh, so yeah. there's like a scene in which you are. Uh, you go to McDonald's for a birthday party as like uh, as like an early teen, um, and then you kind of kind of talk about how uh, your McDonald's experience has kind of uh, is it, I don't know like how to put this, but it's kind of like transformative to you because it's kind of got, has a relationship with your uh, with your weight and. Yeah. Something I suppose that you vaguely describe as an eating disorder. Yeah, that's what. And I guess like because I've never been diagnosed, I've never kind of called it it. And mm-hmm. but like recently now, and like now, you know, I'm like 31 now. But like the, mm-hmm. I, I think about it a lot, and it was like it's so like the memories of it, like just being I'd stay up entire hours, worrying. Still happens, and I know it happens. Mm-hmm. Like I just 
but now i say it like you know like i had a couple of friends over the other day and i used to tell them i was like guys my and i say it like in the way that i think only americans say it where i'd be like oh my body image issues are surging right now because it's all i think about like i'm just like i eat this thing i eat this thing and it's like an hour and then i have to stop but now i can do it like i i tell you fuck it like you know i ate it and now mm. the night's like but like before it would just be like days of like worrying uh, and i taught myself how to throw up um you know so i like really liked food but then there was also this constant kind of worry that it would damage me and um, again like i also think that these foods were so unfamiliar right? like it's not just the mcdonalds but i remember also because like i loved it but then i was like i don't know what is just my body actually and it made me feel weird like you're eating kind of like weird like new synthetic kind of stuff and it makes you feel funny you don't know what it is it's not like a big health nut or whatever now like definitely mm. not but like when the newness then was also very jarring um mm. also yeah and like you know i was like like many teens around the world i was a felt i was just like a non skinny teenager but then you again like and i've always felt kind of spoiled even because i i i was like overweight for a, for a young person but then i just made it out you know like it was just so intense like the feelings of feeling or feeling like less good than the other girls um uh and there was like lots of like pretty girls at school that like and they wouldn't make fun of me or anything or some of them just wait did some of them did but like again like i got adopted by like my best friend in high school who was like the most like beautiful girl in school <laughs> she was really lovely uh and i mean if she's listening like she was great <laughs> but um but she was also like and but i was kind of like her sidekick like it was just kind of assumed because that's how teenagers worked back then and now and this is like teenagers and like the oc like you know like that vibe and like really weird like toxic time i think now kids are different i see them and they are different thank god um But yeah, like, I don't know. So, like, there's a lot of online bullying culture right now and stuff like that as well. Yeah, yeah. I guess I see just the kind of like confident ones, and I'm sorry, good for you. But yeah, I did have a lot of trouble with this kind of stuff, and also with the Zara. I remember, like, I would try, and I, that's when it really started for me because I would never be a size. Um, you know, it's weird. Like, you're you're a person, and then like the next day, you're like you're like a twenty year old, and then the next day, you're like an XL at Zara, and you're like, oh my god, that's me. Like, that's what's happening. So that's when like the um and again i've not been diagnosed so i don't know what to call it but like the kind of like showing mm-hmm. up and stuff like that started i did lose weight actually once when i got very ill this is before i was 20 i got very ill uh, i had typhoid and jaundice and i was in the hospital so i became mm-hmm. like like actually skinny from being ill and i kind of celebrated that and that's also in the essay where i was like wow that's the best mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's a thing that like indian women say even now and i'm sure women say it all over where, like if i get really sick like some auntie would be like oh but at least you'll get thin you know like mm-hmm. that'll happen I'm just like, dude, are you serious? Like, it's strange. Like, that's a weird thing to say, but we still do it. Um, so yeah, like, it's just like a lot of stuff, and uh, and also with what happened with the foreign brands is that you start seeing white women, uh, on in front of you for the first time. Like, you see them on TV, and not even right, like American TV. What like I started watching when I was like fourteen, two thousand four, two thousand three. Before that, you're not seeing so many white girls, and like their bodies are. I mean, their bodies are their bodies, like they're different. And then you suddenly realize that that's how you're supposed to look, or like that's how your, that's how you, you know, like all the brands have like them. And this like sounds so banal to say now because you're so used to it. But like back then, like seeing like billboards of like supermodels and stuff like that, and um, you know, and uh, like white women. I remember this like one scene, and it's in the essay where like there was this one girl who kept like crying. Yeah, I was just thinking. Uh, yeah, that. she was just like this doesn't like doesn't look like how it does in the picture. It doesn't. And like you know, we were all really like, and I remember like. feeling critical of her in my head then and being like what's wrong with this girl she's such a brat but actually now if i think about it i was thinking about this like yesterday it's actually she ha- she got it man like 
it didn't look like it did in the picture like we were being cheated she's the only one that made a fit about it and you know like she was just like fuck this thing i hate it and you know she was obviously having a hard time and, uh, and so i think it's the kind of dissonance between kind of like someone who is disappointed by the unfairness of something uh but also there is a part about the reaction that you give and i kind of have that reaction as well mm. of going like who do you think you are you know yeah like yeah like you are not yourself. this person yeah yeah i was very like no this is like you know it was like kind of like a weird like holy site to me zara i remember um people were, like i remember like i have like memories of my friends being really sick to me like i had a thing where i thought my knees were too like i don't know like not in good shape mm. just really you know and like i used to like panic about that for ages um yeah so i think like, one of the one of the common threads that unifies all the three sequences of the flashbacks that you have like uh the first one being the mcdonald's the second one being kind of like you in zara trying to shop for clothes and the third one being kind of like a fancy party with a bunch of white people in brussels is yeah. there's of course like the body image thing that kind of like unites it all that we've already talked about but the other thing that i find quite interesting and it i suppose it's also like very much feeds into kind of like body image insecurities is your absolute insistence that these three spaces these three foreign spaces to you have their own kind of like coded behavior systems yeah. and not only you feel the pressure that you need to abide by those like codes but you also feel the pressure of you feel embarrassed by your mother and your sister on occasions when they kind of they do not you you almost you kind of admire their bravery for not following those codes but you yeah. also feel kind of like like you have to police them in case they embarrass you in front of others yeah yeah no definitely and i think that in a way i've always kind of with foreignness whiteness especially i've held it in <laughs> such great regard you know which i absolutely am ashamed of and i can't believe i'm saying it but like i have been like like i think we you know this already and like you've told and you kind of like i mean for me mangal media like helped me come to terms stuff like that eh? like moving back home feeling value being outside europe after trying to be there and not being able to be there like you know having a bad time there like whatever stuff like that and um, but that's the thing like i've always kind of aspired to standards that were not set for me and things like that and especially that were like you know i've always uh, you know like white men you know i used to definitely if i look back on it like yeah i definitely felt a certain need to appease them like please them like whatever you know and um, with white women look like them i don't know like just and my sister is still like this like she lives in europe and she has none of it she just doesn't give a fuck it's like it's so pure her kind of being like okay and i think her level of confidence is just great like she hasn't she doesn't like it and i know she like someone makes her feel bad like a person of like a white person especially or whatever she's kind of like tells an off like doesn't let it like seep into her but i think with like looks wise i did probably consider that that's how i need to look you know that's that's how it is and um more i think about it the more like it's it's such a kind of like lame thing to even like especially in this in our cultures right now everybody is quite beyond stuff like that it feels like at least it feels like that online everyone is like post white supremacy <laughs> but like but like i still i still feel that like very simple thing of being like with oh, this person you know just uh, i remember like there was this guy that i mentioned in the essay and he i had a really bad time with him anyway then after that uh 
there was this one time where I mean, did you see? And I found out that he was seeing somebody else, and I looked at the pictures of her. And this is the him. guy at the party that you had a crush yeah, on. Yeah, yes. yeah. And then he was like with somebody else, and I like looked at pictures of this girl like a lot, and like she's you know like Dutch girl. Not a comment on Dutch people, but whatever. Like, she's anyway. She's like, but then I. This and is then the I, one he, place where you can totally feel free <laughs> to say whatever the hell you want about Dutch yeah. people. And then, and then, like immediately, I went to the. But so strange. I remember, and then I used to go to the Zara website and like look at it because all the models there are like skinny and white. And, like, right. When they're not, they're just like heavily beautiful, uh, you know. And it's such a, it's so insidious, like this kind of stuff where there's like all kinds of white girl is available as like a role model. But again, like when you have, and I think someone else pointed this out, like even when you have like people of uh, color in the mainstream world and all that, like in entertainment, uh, they're always like really, really good looking, and, like. They almost have to be like supernaturally, like mm. really intensely good looking. And then, but otherwise, you have to like settle for like a Natalie Portman or something. <laughs> it's like, what's happening? It's going to, I don't know. I'm, I'm, on, I'm, on, I'm on a rant now. But um, yeah, it's just, I think I felt that pressure quite a lot. And I don't know, maybe it took coming back home, working through a bunch of stuff to dismantle it. And who's to say that if I'm not among majority, um, a specific kind of whiteness again, I'll not feel the same. I could, I could. And uh, my friend who's at the party with me was very instrumental in, um, you know, she's Belgian and she's not white. And um, very instrumental in, like, making me understand that this is essentially, like, just understanding, like, the tools that were at work. Because they just end up making you feel bad. And I think the guy that was mentioned, yes, he was also very, like, he was, like, heavily, like, racialized towards me in a way. He'd be, like, um, he'd always remind me that I was, I looked a certain way. Mm. I mean, I don't. I, I don't think I can go into it and explain it. I mean, I feel a bit. I even feel ashamed of like let some of the things you say to me, like allowing that stuff. I was twenty-two years old, so it's like you know, which is that kind of stuff. I now know that there was a certain level of. Yeah, I often feel like yes, there's reason. Like I, I got kind of like comparable experiences in the same way that like uh, I allowed myself to be racialized by white women in a certain kind of way because like I felt that this was the way that like they would feel attracted to me as kind of um, yeah. I don't know like I don't I don't want to get into the specifics of it because that starts yeah, know, really that's uncomfortable uh, yeah but that's the thing I wonder it's like still it's been so long right but I wonder like why this stuff is so scary even now uh, I'm just kind of like just like I guess also because it feels like it's not a real problem or whatever, but it kind of is. Like it really determines how you feel about yourself in the presence of yeah, someone. It's also, power. So uh, there is there is a lot of that, and it's also like I don't know. I try not to flagellate myself over this kind of thing because, like, I suppose, like yeah. I was I was trying to be loved, and that seemed like a shortcut of getting it. So, like. Uh, so, so I've done that. Like I've allowed people to uh, put me in a box because, like, yeah, I think that's the most embarrassing part of it. Like I craved some kind of like affection from someone, like that I felt that I did not have, and to come to grips with the fact that, like, why did I need that attention? Um, I think that's the most, but that's that's the most vulnerable part of it. That's the cringiest part of it. Mm, that's the that's part right. of it. That's the most important to think about as well. Like, why do I feel this way? Yeah, yeah. And also, like, I think I'm the same with you, right? Like, and also, like, and also, like, I've talked about this to my closest friend, uh, who's, who's, who's white, she's a white woman, and I've talked to her, I talked to her about this stuff now for quite a while, and she's, like, really understood, which has really helped me understand, or, like, which is, which is also, then I'm kind of, like, why do I have need her to kind of be part of this 
it was mm. i think because she was around and like, i felt like she didn't protect me and stuff like that but, like i also didn't know i think everybody didn't know what was going on so anyways like it's kind of clear the way but i think what was i going to say yeah but also like with me and with you these are not like with emmy who's in the essay she grew up around stuff like so you all mm. i'm not saying she has it easier i think she has it much harder because she's there all the time but like um she has she had tools or she had like she had like screens i didn't know any i hadn't been around white people they'd only been tv or like something or like some guy at school like an exchange student or whatever right? like not like you know they were not like a real like whiteness was not a real force in my life and then it was mm. and this is not a it, it it's, it's it's not even like london or something where it's not actually something that is contested sometimes often times it was like brussels which doesn't even admit that it exists um so yeah i think like it was a weird and that's the thing like you go there with so much or i did sorry i i went there with a lot of like expectation and then a lot of it, a lot of it i was like oh you guys like really don't know anything about the rest of the world like mm. no it's like i can see by the way that you treat me that you don't know and me and someone from even like sri lanka we don't have the same life but fuck that they like i know people that would make parallels between me and like someone from like nigeria or something and be like yeah same or, you know like treat us in this like way that they had deserved for everybody else and i was like this is nuts like you're like 2% of the planet but still this level of entitlement is completely insane yeah and that's done i feel i feel a lot of that in my professional life as well uh, i don't know like for me like i would like to think that it's done now that it's like that like um i've left all of that behind but like it kind of creeps up in my professional life when i feel that like uh the only way in which my writing would be valued it would be if mm. i would perform this kind of like uh, oh did you know the mystical history of this neighborhood in istanbul like i, I feel like uh, there is this constant expectation of me to and like write in this kind of way that i'm trying to resist and yeah. i think i think it definitely translates into something professional that kind of definitely uh, but i think it's helped to have a world to talk about this because again like i also i want to like move on to like more important shit as well so i need to like get over this in my life or like go down whatever i think this is important too but i wanted to come out of it and it's helped to like have people to talk about it with you know it's been really instrumental because yeah again i think and i mean the thing is i i kind of like missed my life in brussels and i loved it by the end of it i had like I loved it. I had a house that I loved with flatmates that I loved with friends that I respected and like stuff like that. And um but just some of the initial things and it's it says a lot and I think there's something else I remember about the that kind of like western european culture in general like I remember even when the uh, paris attacks and like a bunch of stuff was happening then when I was there right? and they actually like, get like and the majority like mainstream Bel- white belgium would act like they be like where did this come from? how like and this is what like again like you know they be like how how are we given rise to this resentment it's like what the hell is wrong with you like this this no kind shit. of like historical amnesia is nuts it's actually like it's maddening it's completely like it, it, and it was such a and for me that actually it was a really telling time the way that they reacted to things and i was like wow man like like actually like if, if you don't know what you've bred through the world you know like to face it then i mean i you know it's one of those situations where you have to like console white people <laughs> like you, you're not that bad it's all the other ones that are yeah 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 anyway but yeah but i'm kind of glad for all of these experiences because like they have actually taught me of like how not to be in spaces where 
I am the cracker, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it has taught me, like, the, all the wrong ways of kind of, like, I don't know, I hate the word allyship, or, like, ally, being allies, or whatever, but, like, in spaces that don't belong to me, and, like, when I need to shut up and listen, Absolutely. having observed, having observed what was done to me, um, yeah, yeah, if we can get one lesson out of that, maybe that's that. Yeah, and, like, on, like, I wield so much power in my context in India, um, and I have, I lack it in many ways that I have it in many ways, right? So, like, also being there kind of, like, taught me how to, I hope, I'm still learning, it's not like, but, like, you know, like, stuff that I um, instrumentalize here, like, it's not, like, that's the thing, I feel like, I feel like this whole, like, and I think American Indians get criticized for this a little bit, and, like, I hold myself also where you're, like, when you're, when you're a person that's racialized there in a place where, like, whiteness is, like, so powerful, um, and then you come back and you're like, okay, whatever, like in India, we're all the same and all that, which is fucked up. Like, that's mm. absolutely untrue. And, um, yeah, and I guess like, that's the thing. And always, like, shape-shifting, being someone with... Um, and that's the thing. Like, also, like, it's interesting. Right? Like, I have a very close friend from Manchester, uh, outside Manchester, um, Sheffield, I don't know what I'm saying. And, um, but, like, I, because of my, the ed- like, the education that I've held in my life and how much I've gotten... And like my social mobility, I do have, I mean, if we're going to talk about privilege and measure it and stuff like that, I do in so many occasions have more than him. And like, that's also when really like, I think it's it's good to like not just be like, oh yeah, you know, I mean, for me, and I think for Indians of my like caste background, I think it's like, I think it's pretty healthy to like not be like constantly like, oh my God, like if I'm holding space, you know, it's bad. Because like, you also have a lot um, going for you in a way. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah, when I think about specifically publishing, though, like in that specific sphere, like I can totally see uh, somebody coming from like a working class neighborhood in Sheffield, like writing a novel, and then like all the publishers in London. Me, oh my god, that's so like authentically working class. But like, if I were to write something about, you know, like Turkey, like I need to conform. I guess this other person would have to also conform to their kind of like experience, like their kind of vision of like what constitutes authentic working class yeah. but i think they have like more richness of like what they can allow for that than they do for like writers from parts of the world they have absolutely no idea about and the weird thing is maybe you and i are supposed to have the same kind of book for a british audience right like it's not it's like they're just like oh one part of the world where this kind of stuff happens like this this kind of government these kind of like social fault lines and things like that and like it's still like that i was talking to this about i was talking to my friends about this oh an Indian book won the Booker Prize, a Hindi book written in Hindi. And it's great, like, we should celebrate it. So I haven't read it. Um, so this is not a comment on the book itself. But, like, I'm sure, like, an, an act of translation being awarded is always great. But, like, um, the thing is, like, again, like, you know, they'd, like, prefer when Indians write about um, partition, um, you know, like, poverty, rape, um, family trauma. But, um, yeah, like, never, like, fun stuff right like i mean not like like not like fun stuff also like just like young people stuff like again like with my book honestly the, the essays i'm trying to write are always and my mentor sanam who's in karachi she told me she was like sometimes you try to make it twee like you try to make it like for them to have a nice day like your foreign leadership you know where it's like oh this happened and then like but i'm okay <laughs> mm. we still live and like whatever it's kind of like weird shit and i think unconsciously i'm doing it and but that's what, like, I think, and it's so important to, like, 
realize that they're not such people that, you know, again, like that part of the world, like Western Europe, the UK, uh, America, God, I, I don't, I care very little about America, thank God. But like, um, but, or I think I should, but like they are your primary readership or whatever. I think it's important. But like unconsciously, I end up doing that. So I'm just like, I hope you like my book. <laughs> I hope you buy it from Bloomsbury and put it in your tote bag. <laughs> It's pretty bad. <laughs> trying, trying to work through it. Yeah, whether we like it or not, like, um, I guess that kind of demographic is the one with the most disposable income to be spent on literature. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. even if they don't read it, like, they would want it to kind of look pretty on their shelf and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it has to be something, right? Like, um, it has to, like, I'm reading this book by, I don't know if you read. It's Annie Ednor book, which is just French, I think. And it's like a book of, um, it's a book of essays. And it like, it's one of those Fitzgerald books. So I bought it because it looks nice. And I want to read it on the beach. But uh, it's like, it's literally like, and you know, and I think I also have to read Joan Didion. And it's really, I mean, Joan Didion is great. And the book is really good. But it's also just like the kind of like ramblings of like, you know, I don't think someone would do that. Like, I don't think if I had to sit on the staircase of the Louvre or whatever and write what I saw, and was like, oh, and like, you pick up what I mean from this. Even if I was heavily talented, like 60 years old, I did, still don't think it would be publishable. But I feel like with with books that come out of the West, again, they're just like, they can be blunt, they can be like matter of fact, they can be anything, right? Like, they can be whatever. They can truly just be like, yeah. it's up to you. I've been kind of, <laughs> I've been unhealthily obsessing over Harry Potter recently. Uh I'm guessing because you kind of like refer to like wearing a Harry Potter t-shirt in this. Yeah. Uh, you did you go through like a phase? I like I just got into like watching the movies. I was in like a three-hour flight, and I watched uh, and I started watching Harry Potter on there, <laughs> and then I kind of went on a binge on um, reading J.K. Rowling's Wikipedia page, and then I watched like this hour and a half long. A video on YouTube, really good video, by the way, that just analyzes um, J.K. Rowling's and the way she writes and the way that she does politics, and it just made me think, like, wow, like how much, just not 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 even like the politics, just the plot holes in it as well, mm. you know, like how much plot holes and how much crappy and lazy writing can you get away with? If you are describing a bunch of white kids having a great time in some place that looks like Oxford, you know, yeah, that just kind of made me enraged. I think. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I did you read them when you were a kid? Uh, no, I read them. no, no. Yeah, I, I did. We read them because they were like huge. Huh? Um, also, I think because the number of Anglophone people in India, right? Like, it was just like a massive deal. But um, yeah, I remember being really impressed with them. But like, truly, if I, it's again like it's just like kids like hanging out. Uh, you know, and like, I don't know, it's just kind of, and that's all, like, I'm also, like, I was looking, and yeah, that doesn't happen even now, I'm trying to think about, like, a book about, like, um, again, just like, and you know, like, this is, I think, I think a lot about Pakistani music, like, music in Pakistan, and um, it's so good, like, young people making music in Pakistan is so good, and still, if Pitchfork has to write about it, they'll be like, amidst danger, and like, Whatever. in mm. one of the most dangerous places in the world it's like shut yeah, up, that's a classic me. uh vice yeah. headline yeah it's like it's like they're at a house party just leave them alone like you know like, they're not in like the middle of a uh, landmine or whatever the hell you think they're doing in karachi like just leave it and yes yes it is like fine delhi's more dangerous than whatever like amsterdam 
your group shape. But like again, to like do this kind of you know do this by eve is so exhausting. The sketchy thing about reporting, especially from Pakistan, from what I understand, is that like if there's the one cringe thing of like say oh in the midst of danger, and then there is the entire other direction of cringe, which is completely in denial about the problems in Pakistan, and I think mm. that's been. That kind of issue has been like a huge thing in the uh, Pakistani kind of like Twitter sphere, and like a lot of people were arguing about like which good journalist gets paid, which travel blogger gets paid by the government to make it sound as if like Pakistan is completely safe. Yeah. So that's that's the that's the real kind of like although like we were talking about earlier about like how like younger generations are kind of like growing in a world that's like quote unquote post white supremacist, but now like that kind of ideology has become so. I don't know, omnipresent that I can't tell which position is white supremacist. Now, to deny that Pakistan is a dangerous place or to kind mm. of like excessively insist and orientalize it by kind of like going on and on about like how dangerous it is or it might be. It yeah. just, that's the point where I just kind of like flip. <laughs> that's the point where I just like find it so impossible to make a decision. I spin around myself like no, for like sure. And I mean, group. yeah, and I'm not gonna like. I guess like the Pakistan Pakistani writers to comment on that one, but like you know, but I think that the way that they function with this stuff is also at least with like American uh, ideas about the you know, it's also how how we exist in the geopolitical sphere. So with Pakistan, yeah. it's always like use to either instill fear or like do something. But like with India, it's like they never admit that there's a problem here. Like Indians are being radicalized, Hindus are being radicalized. Mm. You know, there's like a government that's out to get them. And, you know, it's just like they'll never do it because to them it's like they don't want to piss off most like upper caste Hindus. They don't want to, it's a huge market. You know, it makes sense for their interest in India, makes sense for them to be bombing Pakistan. So, like, they can't, um, they can't act, they never shift that way. So, for us, with us, it's always like yoga and like these fucking, apparently, like innocent, like animal loving people. And then yes. with them, it's like this opposite thing. And it's just, like what are you doing like it's you know there's not it's just it's i mean and it's not just them it's like indians who benefit from this rhetoric of americans and pakistan right like it, there, there's a reason why more like hindu indians get published in america like more hindu indians get to enter america when they're like blue, you know like white collar workers and stuff like that like but it is like nobody it is very much like a geopolitical interest thing where if this was a this is a predominantly muslim country it wouldn't be the same they wouldn't write about us like this like this kind of like faffy admiration that is always going on. Yeah, I think we might have talked about this before. Like I always like when I think of the way this kind of like um, white Western imagination kind of projects itself on Hinduism and the way that it projects itself on on Muslims. Like I, there's a weird part of me that kind of feels grateful that they dislike Muslims so much because like when I see. <laughs> when I see a lot of like extreme Hindu discourse, uh, I, there's a lot of there's a lot of like really shitty Muslim discourse also, of course. But like the sense of like self confidence that I get in a lot of kind of like Hindu discourse makes yeah. me feel almost glad that there's like so much like negative focus on Islam <laughs> that kind of like makes us like incapable of pandering to that kind of opinion. You know, yeah, a lot true. of like really Hindu commentary, like Hindu supremacist commentary, I find it cringe 
in a whole different sense that I find like extremist Muslim commentary to be cringe. Yeah, yeah. Like that whole like Trump adoration kind of stuff. It just yeah. <laughs> it just makes me nauseous. Yeah, no, totally. And I think for like America, Hinduism is something to collect and Islam is something to oppose, right? Like, yes. Like Hinduism is like their little cultural proactivity, like the thing they wear on their like a badge. But um, yeah, Islam is like an fucking enemy to America or whatever. So like they definitely like it comes, it shows in the way they think about it and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah of I'll, course. Like, a lot of, for example, really nasty discourse in Islam is kind of like rooted in this idea of like, look, the way the West hates us, they try to destroy us. So we need to like own up to our like core values, even in a much more hardcore way than we are. Like we need to refine it and refine it and refine it. Mm-hmm. With Hinduism, like I almost, I only have like a very superficial kind of um, awareness of how it is, but I always get the impression that they kind of embrace uh, their fundamentalism by saying, look how much the West adores our values. So like yeah. we need to go further and further and refine it and refine it. But I would almost prefer that like, they get fundamentalistly obsessed about their culture because they're hated by the West and they're like loved by the West. It just makes me feel more comfortable. No, yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, like white supremacy like breeds Hindutva, you know, like it's like mm. they're, they're brothers in arms and um, Zionism and everything. So like, I don't know, this is like another conversation entirely, but definitely it's like, you know, you can be a complete, like you can be a Hindu supremacist and like fully employed in America, like, Mm. I mean, like head of some hospital, like it's not, it doesn't interfere, doesn't interfere with, um, I can't say the same if you're from another religion. Uh, mm. This like doesn't interfere with your uh, success rate as an immigrant in that country. So, yeah. But yeah, coming back to your, uh, coming back to your essay. Um, so there's like a whole bunch of dynamics there. There's the kind of like dynamics of kind of like a social anxiety that kind of forces you to, um, absorb the kind of like environments that you respect and kind of behave in very strict ways, like in a way that you believe that these are the rules of this environment and this is how I have to behave kind of yeah. uh, attitude. Then there is uh, your relationship with whiteness that's also in there. Yeah. And then there is like all of these dynamics I suppose they reflect themselves as body image issues. Like, how do you think like these three constellations collide with each other? Yeah, I think they just did. I think it's also because maybe I like we just I just wrote this at a time when I'm trying to think about this stuff, and I guess unconsciously, right? Like, I guess like at some point, and I hope this happens to like everybody. Uh, at some point, you start saying in the back of your head, you're like enough of like this exact same brand of like self-loathing at least you know like this stuff where like I'm constantly just putting myself down, constantly thinking about what I eat and, um worrying and whatever so I guess like it just started happening at the back um yeah and I'm I think it's also I think I, th- I think if you're somebody that obeys other orders like and it's so weird because actually everybody that knows me would consider me quite like disobedient to any kind mm. of system or systematic and uh because I am, like, about, like, the the things that I know, like, the Indian police or something, you know, like, something I'm familiar with, I'm, like, I, I'm not, I'm, like, overtly reactionary. Like, I will not have it, you know, like, a specific kind of masculinity in India as well, like, I wouldn't, I, I, I won't take it. But then, like, things that are not, are kind of out of reach, like, these foreign brands or, like, again, like, whiteness or 
beauty or like concepts of beauty or whatever i've not been able to fight and i think i i think then i become very obedient and subservient and things like that so it's always yeah it is could it be because like you were using these kinds of brands or these identities as a means of fighting the other the other authority that you're familiar yeah, with yeah yeah and i did expect goodness from all these things you know in the beginning i was like this is going to transform my life in a literally like the the more i think about it the more before i went to europe i was like when i go here i will it will just be better god knows how but like that's what i believed that's why i went to and that's why i think that's why most people go and you're like it will and then you kind of like sweat it out trying to make it better or you realize that it's not going to happen or maybe it does happen mm-hmm. to some people like fine but i think um it didn't happen and then i was like yeah you know but i did believe that it would i don't know how I, I think it has a lot to do with that kind of like dream of meritocracy and like if I work hard then I'm going to be successful then they're all going yeah. to see that like I'm really kind of like hard working and talented or whatever and then like I'm yeah. going to get what I deserve in life <laughs> yeah bullshit yeah but you know even now I have it like I had a friend who got married like last weekend um, not someone I know well either and she's going to Canada with her husband and the first feeling that happened where I was like oh wow good for her for which mm. I can go like, it's like I can't I can't help it and then I was like wait like oh I don't want to go again. and then like I come back to like being like no I don't want to go but I think the first instinct is kind of like hmm, oh shit they get to leave so I think the way that these cultures like at least in India like again like you know it's like even with all the stuff going on now like a person of my parents generation always like if you don't like it just go like you can go abroad just go abroad if you don't like the political climate just go but it's always been this thing where it's like you don't like it then leave and i guess like they profit from this labor so everything kind of and this this idea of like leaving and going somewhere like come on like whatever it's always that and um it's always like i i think i've internalized it quite heavily um i would never go back to belgium to live <laughs> i still i still think about like other shit i do uh, so yeah because i think that I, i was raised with the idea that if you do that then you're better you're smarter you're more valuable in a way so yeah yep <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> i think i think that ties it up like um i i feel like uh, i've got the same kind of mm, same kind of like idea of like not valuing myself until uh these people uh, in the tradition of harry potter who shall remain unnamed until mm-hmm. they mm, they give me a stamp of approval and more and more i think that was kind of like the the hope that i had with something like mangal media as well like to have like a new community whose opinions i actually value as opposed to like being taught to value the, the values like being kind of affirmed by by a community of people that i care about i think that would be not only therapeutic for me but it would also be kind of conducive to like a way of writing that's going to be yeah. more kind of accountable about the things that it's talking about as well. Yeah. And I think like again like you know like now and the good thing is I guess it does like it does help again having these kinds of networks and stuff like that. Right? And like talking to people who've had like you and I have had this thing in common. Um and we talked about it before and it's like helped for me to know um but then also like now I also like the board like again I was thinking about And, I, and it's also the thing of like like i really liked a certain kind of music or whatever like those bands i've never watched in india so i have like when i went to belgium like that is something that i appreciated i could like watch the bands that i liked 
um again like if i if i go to toronto now it will possibly be by some kind of choice to see my friends there who i like and to see shows there that i want to watch and then come back i i hope it won't be some kind of like escapism kind of thing and i'm i actually i won't do that because i think everyone's been going on about this like get a pr just go the country's going to shit whatever and i'm just like no man you know like if i want to go west now it's 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 with a certain amount of like i would be like i want to go here and then i want to and not like i'm not, i'm not running there because i know that that for me has no answer um there are ones and i and i don't believe that i think i don't think that. i'm not saying that these places are the same or whatever um but yeah but i that's just not something i'm interested in doing for myself mm. yeah. yeah i feel the same way like unless i'm going for like a specific purpose like i don't feel like running away from something yeah <laughs> cool well we have come to the uh the end of this unless you have any last additions to make <laughs> no i think no, i've gone on like many right. tangents <laughs> it was great to have you as ever um thanks everyone for listening thank you